Hi. Welcome to I See You Mama. This is Ariana Evans, and um, this is the podcast where we talk mom to mom about the things that matter to us, the good things, the bad things, the hard things, the fun things. And uh, my guest today is Mary Thompson Johns, who I've known, gosh, for the better part of 14, 14 years now. Yep. So Mary and I met um, a long, long time ago, and I'll say it, we met in recovery. And for those of you who know my story, you know I've been in recovery for a long time, uh, 14 years. <laughs> and so uh, Mary was my sponsor for a long time, and um, she was really mean to me. No. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> really hard on me, really <laughs> held my feet to the fire, expected me to show up and do what I was supposed to do and quit messing around if I wanted to get better. So um, we met in the Anon side of the program, um, even though I'm a member of both um, the addict side and the Anon side. Um, we met in the Anon side of our particular affliction. <laughs> So, Mary, um, do you want to do, like, talk about yourself as, like, a parent? So, because there's a mom connection, so you can talk about, like, how old your kids are, uh, anything you want to add to that? Well, I think what I want to, as far as the mom connection goes, I became a single mother when my children were teenagers. Oh, yeah. And I think that that is a unique situation that hopefully all of you listening will never have to face but I did and sadly some of you will face it and um, and that particular season of my life um, I had to buckle down and be a mom in a whole different way because there was really no dad on the scene not that he was much on the scene but certainly financially he was more there than he was after the divorce and um and what really happened was their brokenness and so i was also brokenhearted and they were brokenhearted and what all that meant from a mom's perspective was pretty rough yeah. so that part was hard i have four children they are all young adults now and we are on the we have recovered from this broken season and we are all on the other side of that and across the board my kids are doing great and i'm doing great but Good. I have lots of stories in the middle <laughs> of it. <laughs> lots of stories. I just turned myself up, by the way, because I couldn't hear me. Okay. So. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you really well. <laughs> I'm not good at this yet. I'm working on it. You're doing great. Thank you. So um, I watched Mary parent through, like, this really hard season. And I, at the time, had babies because I think when things were kind of going um, down the tubes for you and your your ex-husband I was about to birth my first yep baby I remember like I think we were at Starbucks and you were telling like here's all this crazy stuff that's happening and um, my oldest everybody was like I think your baby dropped because she <laughs> and then she Cause was, she did because she did and then she was born like less than a week later yeah so it's all like let's let's all the tornado at once. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we it was the meeting after the meeting where we'd drink coffee and talk about stuff, mm -hmm. <laughs> the real life. So I wanted to bring you on and talk about. There was another incident. I don't know why Starbucks. They things happen <laughs> in Starbucks. Coffee. Yeah, it is coffee. My <laughs> my dad got sober. Um, I love coffee because first of all, I. I was six years old in South Dakota and my toast was cold and I said to my mom mom my toast is cold and she said well damn I'd have a cup of coffee so she gave me a cup of coffee to dip my toast in so I've been drinking <laughs> coffee since I was six and then um, my dad got sober from AA when I was a teenager and he got sober at the kitchen table drinking coffee with his sponsor and I don't wow. know coffee is just super Super special for relationships for me, so yeah. no surprise that it's Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about this. You were there, but I, our, our listeners weren't there. So this moment happened, and it really, 
struck me in this deep way, and I'll tell the story. Um, so we were sitting there talking, you and I, and about all the things that we do, which is deep conversations. We don't talk about <laughs> how the weather was or the birds, hardly ever. We, ta- we talked about the birds just before this, but that's rare that we talk about things that aren't really just like kind of deep soul things. And this woman was typing away on her MacBook. Hmm. So let's put a price tag on that. That's a couple grand. Mm-hmm. And um, this man stood up on the other side of her and with his backpack, knocked a glass of water across her keyboard. And um, I instantly was like, oh, oh my gosh, because I know what this thing costs. I'm guessing the woman does too. The guy who knocked over the glass equally freaks out. But I'm, like, trying not to be involved in this situation because it's not my business, (laughs) which I'm in everybody's business. It's a problem. So, and she, she goes to get towels, and he's, like, profusely apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And she just kept saying over and over, like, it's okay, Grace. It's okay. And I was like, why are you not pissed that this man just essentially ruined your laptop? probably erased the hard drive at some point like it's gonna fry like it might not be shutting off right now but it's gonna fry you've just lost everything and you're offering this man grace and I was equal parts pissed and mystified and like she eventually packed up and left and um like he lifted up the computer and like the whole cup of water like dumped off so you knew like a lot of water got onto this computer and she just kept saying over and over grace 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 and I was just like I don't know what that means Mm -hmm. and we sat and talked afterwards and realized like so our family of origin our family systems like all these things that we kind of grew up with um, there was a whole lot of get it right get it done you know hard-working families farmer family rural family not hard work not farmer but rural family you just a lot of kids were both from families of seven kids um, yep and there was a whole lot of get it done and yep. there's a whole lot of people that you need to consider beside you and your big old emotions because mm. I had a lot of big emotions um, <laughs> as a kid growing up and there there just wasn't this sort of repetitive there was grace but there there wasn't like this repetitive like it's okay it's okay it's okay mistakes happen that wasn't like the way my family system worked either either for myself or um at the state my the stage my parents were at the time which was overwhelmed in their 20s with way too many kids (laughs) right (laughs) you know and so it just struck me we just we began to talk about grace and how how little we offer to ourselves and how little we offer to others when we can't offer it to ourselves. And I, so that was like, that sort of started this huge ball rolling for me. I can't remember. Was that before Christmas? Yeah. So, I mean, that story has come up for me again and again and again. And this, this idea of grace keeps coming back. And I, I wrote, down like this is the this is the drum that god the universe whatever people call it for me it's god this is the drum beat in the background of everything saying are you gonna listen to this song yes Yes. are you gonna listen to it like because i'm still gonna keep on banging out grace grace like like a rhythm Mm -hmm. um as it applies to like my parenting as applies to my life my marriage my friendships my everything and we just had such a, it was just such an impactful moment for me. And I want to talk about that. My experience with Grace is that I can't manufacture it. I cannot manufacture Grace. It has to be something I receive from the outside of me. Mm-hmm. Because within myself, I don't have it. And um, and the first the first front of Grace is to receive it. And treat myself with grace. And that's the only way I'm ever going to treat anyone else with grace. And what does grace mean to me? Um, I'm asking my own question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. What does does grace look like when you offer it to yourself? I cannot offer it to myself. That's, That's the point I'm making is that 
I can't choose to receive it. You just called it a drumbeat behind yeah. everything. Yeah. I can dance to that drumbeat or not. Yes. I can respond to that drumbeat. If you want to call it a drumbeat, then I can either dance to it or I can ignore it. Yeah. And it's almost like Jumanji. It gets louder. Right. Like, you know, if I want to ignore it, it'll keep on chasing me. The beat will come. And I can ignore it, and I do get to make that decision. So it isn't that I give grace to myself. It's that I receive the grace that I believe is from God alone. And if he gives me, when he gives me grace, I can accept it. And it's just really saying yes to it. Yeah. And it, it, it takes away my pride. And I think that's what um, made me stumble for a long time is that I, I have no pride in receiving grace. I did not make it. I did not manufacture it. I cannot maintain it. It is really just a receiving of a gift. And it's nothing that I can take credit for. Yeah. So there's no pride in it. Well, and I love the dance analogy because people who don't know you um, will <laughs> not know that you in your pre-kid life yes were a dancer yes i was a dancer and so to catch the beat and dance to grace it has a lot of meaning for me because i was a dancer and i dance today yeah and i'm 64 years old i danced every day just kind of i just kind of catch a tune and <laughs> do a little jig around the house in the kitchen it just is part of who i am yeah yeah and at that sort of like because I, you know, I suffer from this ability, this delusion that I can manufacture my life <laughs> and I can manufacture the things that are good for me and really like they're already offered and I right. either accept them or wear myself into the ground well, trying uh, to make it. To talk about grace, I'd like to first talk about shame because that for me is the opposite of it. And the the lowest point I went as a mother with regard to shame. Yeah. Um, my daughter had absentee seizures. That's where you or she would just disappear and kind of look spaced out and then come back. And she usually stomped her foot. There mm -hmm. was like this motion with it and I started to learn it. Well, we were starting to see a doctor with regard to it and different things, but I saw her as being somewhat entitled, and she would drop clothes and towels and everything around the house. And she was how old? She was probably 11, 10 or 11. Mm. And I was... I'm very uh, familiar with that age right I was, now. you know, like her room was carpeted with clothing, yes. and picking it up meant recycling it through the laundry that I was doing. And so it was cleaning day, it was a Saturday, and I just started bringing up everything she was doing wrong and she was she was doing dishes in the kitchen and she turned and I just went thing after thing after thing after thing after thing after thing and she kind of mm. got that glazed look and then she fell backwards and her head bounced off the granite countertop mm. she fell to the floor and had a grand mal seizure oh my gosh and I to this day <laughs> believe that it was my shame that pushed her further into that disease and um and so i didn't know what to do i knelt beside her and she's having a seizure on the floor and um so that was my lowest point and i have made amends to her and she has forgiven me because kids are so good at forgiveness which i'm endlessly grateful for yeah but um I had to make some changes in me, and that was my bottom. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to have recovery, to know a bottom when I hit it, and yeah. to know that I, I can't change this by myself. Right. And me by myself looks like that. Right. And in the in the recovery in the rooms of recovery, we um, say that we're powerless to change ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that we cry out to a power greater than us and surrender to that. And then I walked with other people in that. And I began to know grace and began to be able to let it go. To not hold my children to a standard that, you know what, I never had. I was holding them to standards that I never did that I expected of them. Like I was somehow going to protect them from the world by being a mean mom. Yeah. 
And it doesn't work like that. And I was destroying my relationship with my children. And Mm. the whole end of the story was pretty gnarly. My son was in sixth grade at the time, around that time, and he was starting to flunk. And man, I was on his case like everything. And after that, I said, you know what, buddy? I already graduated from sixth grade. I'm good. You do what you want to do with sixth grade. Yeah. And he, he, he failed that particular class. And uh, it was really a great failure. And it was okay. He did not lose relationship with his mother. I was losing relationship with him by shaming him to do homework. And you know what? It's okay if he didn't do homework. Yeah. Because they had consequences at school for that. Right. And, and he didn't like those consequences. And he learned much better to learn failure in sixth grade and connect the dots between I do this and I don't do this and I fail in sixth grade before he loses a job, a wife, a career, whatever. Thousands of dollars in college classes. Yeah. Yeah. So so he learned that young. And so the kids were learning, but I was learning. Yeah. Um, Probably the biggest thing about Grace is accepting. Um, One of my boys was... um, both my boys are smart, but one boy, my oldest son was in high school, and he refused to take a back. This is about Grace. This is a story about Grace. <laughs> so he refused to take a backpack to school because backpacks were for camping, and he wasn't camping. So oh. this was the same one that flunked sixth grade, but he was smart enough to get by now, and he'd figured out a system to not do homework and to get by and get a C because he would get an A on test and not do any homework and land in the middle. Right. And he was good with that. And so I was in a small group with people, and I was always complaining about him because he had so much potential and blah, 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 blah. Well, this one lady, I liked her a lot. She was in our church, and she I really respected her, and I wanted to be her friend. But she had never really extended friendship to me, and I was like, okay. And we were leaving the small group, and she said, Mary, can I talk to you a minute? And I'm thinking, I'm in. Ha-ha, I'm going to be the friend now. I'm going to be her friend. She wants to hang with me. And so I was like, yeah, I can stay for a little while. So we sit down, and she goes, um, oh, by the way, she has a Down syndrome um, autistic son who has never said her name mm. or said, I love you. And mm-hmm. she is a great mom to this guy. Man. And he's two years older than the than my son. So she and I sit down and she goes, accept your son. I'm like, what? And she goes, Mary, he's a good boy accept him as he is there was no one else on earth that could have said that to me that would have had the power that it had when she said it yeah so i took it to heart and i went home and i began to work on accepting him and what that meant for me was to give up my idea of what he should be give up my dreams of what he was supposed to do my expectations of what high school was supposed to look like my expectations of what the haircut the girlfriend and all those things were supposed to be i had to lay down my stuff and really look at my son and accept him and that is grace yeah it is a grace that is amazing and because i I had been so um, pushy on what I thought he should be. About a year later, he had a girlfriend. He said, Mom, she reminds me of you. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. dear. <laughs> what? What is it? What does she remind you of me? And, and, and then uh, she, he said, she accepts me for who I am. Aww. So I had done my job. Yeah. I had an experience this morning with my daughter who we me and her teachers have had these big discussions about her and she's kind of like a beautiful walking tornado. Like everything is ideas and creativity in her room. She's 10 and it's like a carpet of, I don't know what. (laughs) And I'll go in there and I'll help her clean up. And, and you know, I, sometimes I'll just like spend that time like about her room and she's really struggling. So her teachers and I, Um, came to this agreement without her which in hindsight maybe not the best plan was that they were going to stop 
sort of buoying her up because they had been printing out homework for her. She lost it or, you know, just giving her chance after chance after chance. And she's in fourth grade and about in Nashville, middle school starts in fifth grade. And they kind of, it's like sink or swim. And I'm terrified that she's going to sink. And so we kind of came up with this plan that they would stop giving her second chances. She brought home her very first C. And she, you would have thought, this child has never made lower than an A, ever. She's in fourth grade. Like, you would have thought that the world collapsed. And this morning, like, I just kind of lit into her. I was like, you got to figure out what you're going to do, kid. Like, you, and she just took it all in as like, I'm the worst. And I, ugh, I drove her to school and I was like, I feel like I totally messed up that conversation. Like, it was shame-based. It wasn't encouraging. Like, I didn't tell her I accept it. I do accept that she got a C. I'm fine with it. I'd rather her get a C than, like, an A on under, like, pretending or, you know, scraping by her. What, I, I'd re- I'm, I'm okay with whatever her grade she got. But I realized this morning, like, we had this conversation, and she all she could hear was, I'm not good enough. <sighs> And then I drop her off at school. And I'm like, mm, sorry, what? You know, I don't know what it is about firstborns. Man, I got the other kids. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Like, we can have, they can do stuff. And I'm like, oh, yeah, mistakes happen. But with her, like, it's the first time I've ever seen this happen. And I freak out on the regular. Mm-hmm. Like, and just watching her take that in is rather than like, I could do better. She took it in is I'm no good. And now I have to go back this afternoon and be like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I messed up. And I I love who you are. I love your creative tornado. I love all this stuff about you. And the thing that I take into our relationship is fear. Like fear of who I was at 10. Hang on. I see her repeating the pattern of who I was at 10. And it was so, I was a mess at 10. You know, I couldn't figure out social relationships. I would disappear into a book. I didn't like to deal with life on life's terms. And I came home from dropping her off and called another wise friend who has teenagers. And she was like, Ariana, man, I I can't tell you how to fix this, but I can tell you like an apology goes a long way. And forgiving yourself goes a long way. And telling her, like, just what you said, accepting. And she said it differently. She said, um, this is just an opportunity for you to be curious about who she's becoming. And I was like, oh, <coughs> I don't no, I want to fix it. I want to make sure that she never has the bumps and bruises and all the things that actually create character. And I know that. As an adult, but I just, God, I want to wrap her up in a pillow and be like, just learn this lesson and then don't have to have all your sharp edges knocked off by life. You know, I don't, I just want to keep protecting her, you know. Well, I started having a saying that I would say to myself all the time. I would say, 10 is a real good time to learn this. <laughs> 11 is a real good time to learn this because these lessons that we're talking about right now, they have their mom and their dad and their family to learn them with. Yeah. To get a C in fourth grade is very different to, than to get your first C in college and think about suicide. And those things are real. Oh, my gosh. Those things are real. And so to have a C in fourth grade, this is a really good time to get a C. Yeah. This is a really good time to find out if people aren't booing you up. you got to take... You know, and one of the things that was really great about acceptance is that I could I could empathize. When I wasn't accepting him, I wasn't empathizing with him either. I wasn't like, yeah, that sounds really rough. Yeah. You know, I could be I could be good. I could be better. I could be like a nicer person mm-hmm. when I was accepting because I could just say, yeah, that's rough. I can't imagine what you go through in a day at school, you know, and saying nicer things than because fixing anytime I move into fixing, I'm saying I know better than he does or she does. And really, I can't imagine what my children are facing in their world. It is so much harder than what going to school was for me. Yeah. 
there's a lot more factors involved. So. Oh, man. I think, I mean, we, the two topics that kind of go back and forth. So there's mom grace, this deep grace that we're offered. And I love your definition of grace. Will you tell that? Your definition of grace? My definition of grace is seeing ourselves the way God sees us. Yeah. Coming into agreement with the way he already sees us. Yeah. And living our lives according to that rather than according to what our moms or dads or whomever has said, but to really come to that. Now that takes us back to how do we know how God sees us. Right. But um, but if we come into agreement that with that, we'll find out that he sees us with love. Well, and I think that's powerful. I think there, there may be a lot of moms out there who, for them, God is an old source of trouble and problem and shame and and not measuring up and and church was a is a problematic fit place. But Maybe that's where they got their shame from. Yeah, was God. Yeah, and and to talk about that for a moment because that that's very valid. Yeah. That the shame may have come from churches. Yeah. And um, legalism and laws always have shame with them. And my belief is that Christ fulfilled the law so that I'm no longer in the law. I'm under grace. I'm under love because I believe that the fulfillment of all the rules were in him. And so by trusting him, I'm freed up from having to live up to those laws that I never could and nobody can. Yeah. Nobody can do it. Our kids can't do it. We can't do it. We're all going to fail. It's just yeah. a big fail fast without without Jesus and his his covering us. So. Yeah. Well, and there there's so much like it's so much more restful in that place than to I mean, when I get myself worked up like it is miserable, right? I'm I'm it's, miserable. It really it's really a faith issue at the end of the day, because it's really me not trusting God with my kids. Yeah, it's me not trusting God with me. It's me not trusting God with my finances. It's me not trusting God with my husband. It's me not trusting God. Period. And then if I go into fear, which if I don't trust somebody, then I start being afraid. Right. Then my Same. control kicks up, yeah. and once my control kicks up, it's pretty ugly. And it can go all different directions. We can, but uh, you know, we have this this incurable self-centered addiction. You know, the 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 addiction to self is so rampant. Mm -hmm. You know, you and I grew up in a large family where that was bombarded. We were we were challenged with it, but our children are not growing up in that. And the world is becoming, in my opinion, more and more self-centered all the time. And it is, it's, it's bad. Yeah. It's a, it's a rough spot because if everybody's selfish, there's, where does that land? You yeah. Know? Well, I mean, you thought, you talk about that and there's this, there are these memes that pop up, you know, on Facebook because Facebook because they can because they can <laughs> but it's all about like if anybody is str is not like lifting you up or making you feel good or blah 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 just cut those negative people out of your life and i'm like that w there would be nobody left including myself and, and why doesn't it say who are you lifting up who are right. you doing that for instead of it's being about the self what right. am i are you doing you know is that it should be a meme like who are you lifting up right. who are you laying down your life for who are you helping yeah um we are have, you a good friend <laughs> are you the good friend yeah or are you just wanting all that stuff for yourself and well, yeah man guilty i mean i think there. i don't know some of us and i'm gonna say that about me um, grow up later, like I, it took me a long time to get my head out of my own behind. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, I still suffer from the affliction from time to time. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> it's our human condition. We just, you know, um, yeah, I mean, just in marriage, you know, how much is he helping me? How much is he giving me? How much is he doing with this instead of what am I doing for him? Right. It's really easy to go there. Ooh. <laughs> You're touching a sore spot <laughs> Ow. on all of us. Yeah. yeah. Because, I, I mean, 
you know, every conversation, we had lots of conversations um, about how I was unhappy (laughs) with Mm -hmm. my poor beleaguered (laughs) spouse. Right. And, And really, like, there, you pointed out again and again, like, what was good. Mm-hmm. And because I couldn't see it. Because right. I was so focused on, like, well, my life isn't right. And he must have some part in that. And, you know, I I made it about him instead of it being about, like, what I was doing or not doing or bringing to the table or, mm-hmm. like, accepting or surrendering. And, like, I still still don't do that very well. I still... Don't do it very, very well at all. I and I make jokes with Ariana that um, <laughs> I'm Matt's best friend. He just doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. Well, I told him that, and he was like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, I mean, she's the one who's kind of kept me in this for a long time and defends you when I when I do really dumb stuff. <laughs> and she's like, "Have you thought about this from his perspective?" I'm like, "You're supposed to side with me, Mary." <laughs> You're my friend, not his friend. <laughs> but it's not true. Because, yeah. I mean, I, I need somebody in my life consistently saying, hey, did you notice? Here, here. let's get curious about why, why is it always someone else's fault that you are a miserable cuss? <laughs> why is it always someone else's job to make it better or fix it or do the right thing so you feel okay? <sighs> Yeah. I hate having the truth told to me. It sucks. <laughs> I wanted to talk about something. Um, I thought about it because I knew you were coming this morning. And this is the thing I wanted to talk about with teenagers. Oh, when my give ch- me your wisdom. When I, my children were teenagers, and it was so hard, and uh, rebellion was rampant and all kinds of stuff going on. And so not digressing into all of that, I just want to talk about it from a mom place. And so... Um, I also like to do art, and if you walk around my house, all you're going to see are trees. Yeah, That's the only, almost only art I do is trees, and the reason I do trees is because I became a tree, and that's how I saw myself when I was going through my kids being teens and I was alone in it, and the storms were blowing in pretty hard, and so mm-hmm. I saw myself as rooting deep, rooting deep into the living water underneath me, and even though the storms blew, I was not going to change. I was not going to shift. I was not going to join my daughter in her anger. I was not going to join my son. My last two, my son and daughter and I were alone together in, in that season. And I remained true to who I was walking with God regardless of the storms I faced. So what that would mean, um, for example, my daughter hated me. And um, one time I just said, what do you hate? Mm -hmm. And she just told me thing after thing. And I said, is there anything more? She said more. I said, is there anything more? She said more. And finally, the last thing she hated was she, she said, I hate the way you breathe in and out and in and out. So she hated my existence. And in the middle of her hating my existence, I loved her the same that day as I did the day she was born, as I do this day when she totally honors me and loves me. But that day she hated me, and I did not turn on her. Mm. I did not attack her. Of course, I had to grieve some of that. That was rough. She yeah. blamed me for her dad leaving. Mm. And, um, and so I... But I had... I stayed steady in me stayed steady and who the uh, I was the same mom in the hard times as the good times I didn't become a crazy person I didn't become a raging crazy person I I could have but I didn't and I think the most important thing I would share with teenage with the parents of teenagers that are having a hard time is stay steady in loving them stay steady in the discipline like the the boundaries i took her phone away from her once because of some stuff she was doing Ooh. and i and she got mad and she threw it at me so i moved to the side and it busted the phone and she blamed me and was like mm, didn't throw the phone yeah 
I was going to keep it for a few days. Now she she had to buy herself a new phone. Staying steady. Stay steady. And the storms come, the verbal storms, the angry storms, the rebellious storms, but staying steady in it all and loving them and keeping the same boundaries regardless. It, it actually, I was more sane, and it actually eventually calmed things down. Yeah. But it took a while. That's... So hard. I, you know, like, okay, a couple of thoughts on that. So, one, this is the person that I like brought into this world and have cared for, and for them to turn on me and say I hate you, ugh, it's like knives. You know, I haven't got the I hate you yet. I've got the you're the worst mom ever, and you don't understand me. I'm like, Psh, girl. Boy, if anybody understands you, it's the person who's known you since you took your first breath on this planet yeah. and before. But like to go back and 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 not let that like really deeply hurt. I mean, it will hurt my feelings. Like yeah. I know it's coming and it will hurt my feelings and it'll be kind of a heartbreaking moment. Like I'm going to have to grieve this. And what was the other thing? There was a second thought. Well, and, oh, to stay steady. Um, I can't do that without a whole lot of help. Yeah. Like, a whole lot of, like, calling people, meditating. Praying. Praying. (laughs) Like, going to to yoga, going for a walk. Because, like, if I don't leave this house right now, ooh, bad things. I'm going (laughs) to... You know, to really, to really seek out my own place of peace. And if I don't have that, then I can't offer it. Right. Like I can't, I can't be the rock in the stream. I can't be the tree Mm -hmm. unless I, I'm already grounded in something. But the tree, the tree grew its roots through dry times. Yeah. The roots were there, but the roots were there in things I would have said I didn't like. Mm-hmm. You know, and so when the storm came, I already had the roots. Yeah. But it was, um, so uh, California has, um, the Southern California, the only tree indigenous to Southern California is the oak tree. And the oak tree has to go through a drought to have its its roots grow deeper and deeper. And if it doesn't go through the Santa Anas and the droughts, then the, the roots actually rot and so mm. it's really important for the oak trees to have that dry period, and it goes deeper and deeper, and they reach the deep waters. And I think the reason I was ready for these storms was because by the mercy and grace of God, I had gone through dry times. I had gone through hard times of when the kids were little or when things were happening in my marriage or whatever. Um, and so those dry times actually gave me the root system that prepared me for the biggest storms of my life. Man, and I think as a culture and as people, we're like, no, no, no. I just want to f- like float above that all. I don't want to, right? Like, I don't want to have to go through bad times. And if things are going bad, then there must be something wrong with me. And there is this kind of like thread through um, our particular religious tradition that is, if if your life is not blessed and full of like all this stuff, then then. Um, God must have turned his face from you. Like, you don't have right. enough faith. The problem is you. Instead of it actually just being, this is life. And this is a dry period. Yeah. In California, I lived there for 18 years. And in California, they they started watering the surface. And so they would plant a tree and then water the surface. Not oak trees because they're harder to grow, but just other trees. And so we had the Santa Ana winds come in. I was uh, living in a three-story building and a tree fell over that was higher than a three-story building. And I was Whoa. like, how the heck does that happen? And I was outside talking to the guy. And he said, I'm running into this problem. So when they water the grass, the roots come back up to where the water is. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the roots were all over the surface of the ground. So when the winds came, there were no depth of roots, although you wouldn't know it looking at the tree. Right. So the tree was drinking water off the surface instead of going deeper, and so it kept growing taller. But when the hard times came, yeah, and they will come, mm. the tree fell over, and it was dead. And there was yeah. nothing anybody could do. And so the 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 to me, 
the deep roots are reaching deep into my faith to like what can sustain me through this hardship and keep yeah. going back to that. And then when the hard times came, I was ready. Yeah. And it's not like the hard times were like, oh, that was a piece of cake. Heck no. And the dry no. times. No, and the dry times are pretty bad too because, you know, questioning myself exactly what you said. Like, oh, why am I not being blessed? Why is everybody else having a good time? Yeah. I'm not having a good time. My life sucks. Yeah. You know? And, <laughs> yeah. There was this um, book that right after my brother died, so it's been a year and a half, this book kind of came through, you know, how things do. And uh, it was um, called Learning to Walk in the Dark. And I can't remember the author. It was Barbara Brown Taylor, I think. And it was about having a lunar faith. And that that God is still there in the dark. Yes. Like he's, it's not like, but there is this deep thing in our culture that like, man, and I grew up with it in, in our little churches where it was like, if your life didn't look good, it was because you didn't have enough faith to ask God for what you needed and then get your needs met. But like, that implies that God is like the endless ATM, that if I just know the right code, Mm-hmm. then I'll get what I need. But that wasn't true. And right. that, and sort of like being in grief and hardship and darkness and sadness, like deep, real stuff. That's right. And still knowing like that there is faith there. There is right. grace there. And, w- and what, if, what if the thing he gives you is the drumbeat? Yeah. It's not the ETM. It's just the drumbeat of knowing his presence. Yeah. And that is the thing that sustains us through the hard times is yeah. just that drumbeat that we we are not alone. Yeah. And that's really all that it is mm-hmm. at the end. It is. Mm-hmm. So I did not intend for this podcast to become a religious-based <laughs> thing, but, but it's I realize, <laughs> no, like the last several episodes, I'm like, we talk about Jesus a lot mm. because Jesus is part of my life and part of the people who I know. Right. Um, not all of them, but like it's a deep theme and mm-hmm. it's a deep like it it kind of shapes who I am and there have been a a lot of seasons where I turned my back on that and walked away and said this is not who I am or what I believe and and but it it, it just I don't know there's there's always something that is a, it's like a a this theme of grace kind of brought this back to me. Like Mm-hmm. being offered it and giving it and man let me tell you be the first to say I suck I suck at giving grace I suck at like looking at my kids and not being like let me tell you like I really really I'm glad that I have more than one kid because <laughs> the first one I always mess up and I have to go back and apologize and but the second and third like I do it a little bit better and I'm grateful right. And I, I'm really sorry, my darling daughter. Also, they're, they're <laughs> boys, and your firstborn is a girl, and that, that also makes a difference. Yeah. You know, the same-sex children, we do a little differently than the boys. Yeah. And, um, <sighs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I hate that that's true. Like, I don't want that to be true. I'm like, no, it shouldn't matter. But, like, my my sons are not currently going through uh the changing from being a girl child to a woman child and so like we're not in the storms of their uh hormones poor things <laughs> you know what i mean like th- we're not in those storms and 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 truthfully like being, you're you're not in the storms yet no <laughs> and, but, but but there's a breeze there's a breeze blowing it's though it's right like, i don't like this <laughs> But, you know, for some reason, um, this is the kid that I, like, who's had trouble from the get-go. Like, this was the kid who couldn't sit in a car seat without screaming to wherever. So we would drive, because I'm like, I have to get out of this house. But wherever we got, like, she screamed the entire way. Like, she couldn't be strapped down. And we learned later why, but, like, it didn't make it easier to to have a kid who had sensory issues who um had other additional things that she was struggling with that we didn't know at the time but like this is the kid that i've been given and accepting those parts of her like we talked about 
with your with your friend earlier like accepting those parts of her and just loving her through them that's that's the part where i'm like no but i can fix this and i can't i can't mm-hmm. i want to yeah. so bad i yeah. want to save her from herself from mm-hmm. her struggles from like it breaks my heart when she's like i just don't understand how to like be popular or, or have friends and i'm like but you do have friends you got to remember those people too yeah <sighs> And I think what you popped, what you just hit was that a lot of, I, I meet with little mommies sometimes, just young, I call them my little mommies. They're younger women with littler children. Yeah. And um, the little mommies feel this tremendous pressure to, um, to really be God to these kids and to make everything okay and to solve every problem and to take care of every... Now, it is our job to care for our children, especially the little ones. It definitely is. But they get to have struggles. Like, two is a real good time to learn what a boundary is. (laughs) You know? And there's different... Like, every year, every age... This is a real good time to face this struggle and this struggle and this struggle because it is a really good time to face that. Yeah. And we are not the solution because if we are, they will never leave us. Oh, Lord. Please. Yes. <laughs> and we want them. And so the, the goal is self-control. I remember one time uh, all four kids home from school and I decided we were sick of homemade sandwiches and stuff. So I was going to take them out to a little deli and we get in line at the deli and my youngest son knocks over the whole display <gasps> and all the, you know, we're, it was just a mess. And so my two big kids start shaming him and we get the display put back together and all the brochures and the menus back in it. And I said, we're just going to go to the car. We get in the car and my two big kids think I'm going to yell at the little guy. Instead, I was like, listen, guys, you belittled your brother. So we're going to go home and have peanut butter and jelly. And we're going to do this again tomorrow. And we'll see if you can get through it without making fun of him and belittling him or anybody else. So we go the next day, we go home and have peanut butter and jelly. The next day we go back there, we make it through the line. But once we're sitting down, he spills his drink and it just goes everywhere. And nobody made fun of him. They, they cleaned it up and helped him. And so the goal is for them to get a hold of themselves. The goal yeah. is self-control, to be able to say, oh, I can be kind even when he is a little kid. Yeah. Nobody made fun of him. Then when they were little, because they had parents, they didn't have a big brother and sister to belittle them, like my right. kids would belittle each other. Right. The sibling thing is the hardest thing. I think that is something that I never really got a hold of. Yeah. You know, some things worked, some didn't, but I just couldn't quite get it. Just so many moving parts so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. It is. And, you know, I watch my, my, my middle guy came in stomping. He was like, Peter follows me everywhere I go. <laughs> and I'm like, you're, you're like his number one favorite human on the planet. So he's like, if I go outside, he goes outside. If I come inside, he comes in outside. I'm like, of course he does. You're his number one favorite human on the planet. Like, he thinks that you are just the best thing ever. And I've never seen um, my middle guy be annoyed by that until this year. Like, he's Mm -hmm. eight and Peter's almost six. And I'm like, oh. For a long time, he was just like, yay, I'm a buddy. But now he's starting to be like, no, I don't want it. I'm like, this is. And I'm, I'm perplexed by this as to, like, how to help them navigate. They're going to just have, I'm like, well, you can't kill him. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't you can't beat him up. You can't punch his face. You can't bite him. You can't do any of those things. You just have to, like, learn to talk about how you feel and, you know, take care of yourself. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, what, the mom job that I hate the most is being a referee. Mm-hmm. Mom, tell him. I'm like not doing that. Like if he, if I see him hurting you, I will step in. But if he's just being annoying, like you have to learn how to speak up for yourself because you're not gonna live here forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said that to. I think I said that exact same thing like four times this weekend. I'm like, I'm not. I'm not gonna be referee for you. You have to learn. So you're just gonna let him get away with it. I'm like, well, no. 
you're just going to let him get away with it, actually. <laughs> if you don't stand up for yourself and say, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. And if you don't stop, I, I'm going to get away from you or I'm going to like go to my room or I'm not going to play with you or I'm not going to talk with you or I, or I, like you have to set the boundary too. Not just mom enforcer mm-hmm. comes in and says, here's how it's going to be because they don't learn. Mm-hmm. And then I have to do it again. Yep. And I hate it. I hate it too. <laughs> it's so hard. <laughs> oh man. I would say that um, being a mother is, is the hardest thing I've ever done and the best thing I've ever done. And um and I'm so grateful that I got to be a mother. And uh, the last thing I want to tell about is I was really angry at my children. One morning they went to school and they, um, they I had a rule where we set crap on the stairs and they're supposed to carry it up on their way up. Well, of course, <laughs> nobody had done that. Nobody ever does that. <laughs> so they were all gone to school and I was heading up the stairs and picking. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at all this stuff on the edge of the stairs. So I was starting to pick it up. And as I walked up the stairs, I started remembering how I almost died in childbirth with each one of my children. And I started Mm -hmm. being grateful for each of them as I walked up the stairs. At the bottom of the stairs, I was upset and angry. By the top of the stairs, I was so grateful for my four kids. And so I would say that gratitude has helped me a lot through some of the hard places to remember to be grateful. Yeah. And that's what I'll close with. So gratitude, grace, and acceptance, acceptance, and not living in the mom shame. Yep, and helping them get a hold of themselves. Self control is the goal. Yeah, I don't know that I have that at age forty two. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, might still be struggling with that. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a minute. Well, I want to say thank you for um, being a part of the podcast, and I get to come to your house, and usually Woo-hoo. you come to mine. Yeah. Um, so I get to come to your house and hang out and listen to the birds and drive south for a while and <laughs> be in the beautiful manicured suburbs. <laughs> and like, look how nice and green everything is. <laughs> and mowed. Wow. <laughs> and evenly spaced planted. Wow. Every 10 feet, there's a tree. So it's really like a different, it's a different yeah. place from being close to the core of nashville as opposed to being out here in the burbs and it's a really different it's a different experience well welcome thank you (laughs) and thanks for being on the show you're welcome love it which is great i love you and i'm glad you're here love you too all right